Now broadcasting from his hidden bunker and fully stocked bar, it is the Saturday Report with Colt Sebastian Taylor. First up, some sad news this week. Andre uh, Andre Brauger uh, passed away this week at the age of 61. Well-known actor uh, for his various roles, including Homicide, Life on the Street, and then more recently, long-running um, uh, uh, starring on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Brooklyn Nine-Nine as Captain Holt, which is where I really saw him on there. Amazingly great actor, passed away after brief illness, according to a statement released by his uh, agent and his family. Um, he was on nearly 100 episodes of Homicide and Detective Frank Pemberton. Uh, he also would appear on Law & Order, as well as the main for TV movie. Uh, his first film, Glory, which he played a Civil War soldier, amazing movie, also had roles in City of Angels, Frequency, and The Mist. Um, he starred in his own series, uh, Gideon's Crossing, in 2000, before showing up in The Practice. He also appeared on shows of Men of the Certain Age, Thief, and Hacks. Uh, but again, probably best known, best known uh, for playing the stoic and dramatic uh, Captain Holt on Brooklyn Nine-Nine for more than 150 uh, episodes for that series. A very, 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 very good uh, uh, series on there. He won many awards, including Television Critics Association Awards for Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Homicide, and Emmy for his work in the show Thief. Uh, many of his former co-stars on Brooklyn Nine-Nine posted statements about him. Uh, Terry Crews said, quote, Can't believe you're gone so soon. I'm honored to have known you, laugh with you, work with you, and share eight glorious years watching your irreplaceable talent. This hurts. You left us too soon. You taught me so much. I will be forever grateful for the experience of knowing you. Thank you for your wisdom, your advice, your kindness, and your friendship. Deepest condolences to your wife and family in this difficult time. You showed me what a life well-lived looks like. Uh, Chelsea Peretti wrote, Love you. We'll miss your dulcet tones. Forever lucky to have gone on such a journey with you. Ring side seat. You were so funny to me in the epitome of still waters run deep. I will always cherish our conversations, often with me hanging in your doorway, barring your exit, and the insane opportunity to be your sidekick. It is weird that I am also grieving for what Captain Holt meant to Gina. I really hope and knew I would see you again. I hate that I won't. Uh, another Brooklyn Nine-Nine star, Joe, Joe Lou Torrego, posted, So many wonderful stories we told about Andre, but for now, all my love goes to his wife, Amy, and his three boys, who he loved very much and flew back every weekend from the show to be with. We all know how powerful of an actor he was, but even more, Andre knew exactly well, exactly well his most important role and was deeply proud of it. He, he spoke often about his sons and how and knew how lucky he was had to have Amy. I'm grateful to them for allowing us to share eight years with them. He was committed and passionate about the things he loved and that voice, it laid anchor to the roughest of dialogue. What you probably don't know is Andre could sing too and he did often at lunch belting bassy vocals from his dressing room to whatever new music he found. At first, it was odd because, well, it was Andre Barger crooning at full volume behind closed doors, but then very quickly it made all the sense in the world because he was a man so full of song 
And that's why the world took notice. I miss him so much already. Uh, what an honor to work with the, a man who knew what it was meant to, was really all about. I feel blessed and thankful. Miss you, Captain Holt. Love, Porkchop. Uh, Reed Diamond, who worked with him on Homicide, posted a statement saying, Andre was an inspiration as a man and as an actor. As a first-year student at Juilliard, I was plunked into a spirit-carrying role in his fourth-year production of Othello. His performance in the title role was astounding, and I marveled at it every night. Several years later, I followed him onto Homicide, and like everyone else, was blown away by his power and talent. Uh, but honestly, what I remember, what I most remember, and what I always tried to emulate was who he was as a father and husband. He always seemed to have what was most important in his life figured out, a tremendous loss, my deepest condolences and most heartfelt love to his family. Melissa Fermo, who played Amy Santiago, uh, also posted on Instagram with a few photos of her and him, saying, I love this first picture. The moment before that photo, Andre was Andre and me sitting on a little wooden deck overlooking an ocean of Malibu. We were having our first of many deep conversations when out of nowhere, a big wave splashes the rocks below us and we get hit. We get so startled that we jump up and run off the deck and then crack up laughing. We were shooting the Beach House episode. I will remember all the advice you gave me. I remember all the times we laughed because your laugh was one of the all-time greatest laughs that have ever existed. I remember the deep love and loyalty you had for your family. I remember it every time I asked to I asked work to make time for me to be with my family. I remember how you sent me pictures of fallen trees in New Jersey because you knew how much I missed my that time back missed that time of year back east. I will all oh, I will remember you calling me Melly Fumi. I remember it so much. So lots of people very upset of his passing. He was a amazing, amazing actor, hilariously funny. Uh, unfortunately, passed away this week, according to later, according to later news reports. I was unfortunately recently diagnosed lung cancer. Lung cancer. Now, they say it was a brief illness, but he was diagnosed with lung cancer earlier this summer, and it unfortunately progressed quickly, and he passed away this week at the age of 61. I highly recommend, my friends, to check out the movie Glory, also starring um, uh, Matthew Broderick, Denzel Washington, and Q Carrie Ewens. Um, as well as Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which also has Andy Sandberg in it as well. A hilarious series, a great movie. Check it out. But once again, Andre Brogger, this week, Captain Hulk, passed away at the age of 61. In other celebrity news, the official cause of death of actor Matthew Perry was released this week by the Los Angeles uh, County Coroner, saying it was the uh, acute facts of care of ketamine therapy, along with um, some accidental uh, drowning, uh, as well as uh, the brutophene effects and coronary artery disease. So a variety of things seem to have happened. Um, so uh, the, the, the brutophene and the ketamine are both used to treat uh, both opioid use disorder as well as depression. Um, and then artery disease and, uh, was, you know, just living his hard life over the years. Um, it does not seem like it was a regular therapy. He may have been self-medicating with these things to 
get his substance abuse and depression under control. It seems like the cause of that may have caused a heart attack uh, while he was in the hot tub, leading to his accidental drowning, unfortunately. But uh, much like was initially thought that it was an accidental drowning, uh, didn't seem like he didn't, they didn't find any other drugs in his system. Uh, however, they do think that this did lead to his possible heart attack and then drowning in the hot tub. So, once again, Matthew Perry's uh, death, which occurred uh, several weeks ago, uh, likely, according to the sheriffs, the, the county coroner of Los Angeles, uh, was the results of um, acute effectiveness from ketamine, as well as a few other uh, treatments he was doing, leading to a cardiac situation, and then his accidental drowning. So... No, no foul play involved, and no other drugs found in his system, but just an unfortunate turn of events for the great Matthew Perry. Moving along, but still staying in entertainment, as I do every year, my friends, I like to tell you, films selected for the National Film Registry, films that they're going to be taking care of and preserving for future generations, <clears throat> and every year they release a new list of uh, films to put into the um, uh, put into the uh, National Film Registry. So here are the films this year for 2023 selected for the National Film Registry. And these are, I believe, from oldest to newest. So these old ones, never seen. Uh, but we will uh, go through them. The first up is... 1921's A Movie Troop Through Filmland. Never seen it. 1933, Dinner at Eight. Never seen it. Uh, the uh, Bohano Family Film Collection, um, which you... Um, uh, it's, it's it's a family's film collection. I don't know who they are, but apparently they're pretty important to the 1950s, 1970s. Helen Keller, in her story. I have actually seen that. Uh, Lady and the Tramp, Disney movie. Seen it, 1955. Edge of the City, 1957. Haven't seen it. Uh, 1974's We're Alive. Um, have I seen We're Alive from 1974? No, I don't... I don't... Don't think so. No, 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 no. Nope, nope, don't think so. Um, the next one, Cruises in J-Town. Haven't not seen that. 1975. 1977, Amberista. Nope. 1977's Passing Through. Nope. 1980, Fame. Believe I've seen that. 1985, <clears throat> uh, Desperately Seeking Susan. I believe I've seen that. Um, Desperately Seeking Susan movie. Who is in that? Who's? Oh, yeah, that's, um, that has, uh, Rosanna Arquette. Aiden Quinn, Madonna, that's right. Madonna and Robert Joy. <clears throat> I have seen that one. That's that's, a, that's an old Madonna movie. Um, see here. Um, the Lighted Field, uh, nope. 1987, 97, Mate One, nope. 1990, a classic, recently mentioned, Home Alone. Yes, Home Alone is now in the National Film Registry. We've got Macaulay Culkin. Uh, as well as A Small World of John Candy and uh, Catherine O'Hara. Uh, as you may remember from a previous broadcast, um, uh, Macaulay Culkin does now have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Uh, 1991 Queen of Diamonds. Queen of Diamonds. Who is in that one? 
I don't know who's in that one. Um, Queen of Diamonds, Queen of Diamonds, Queen of Diamonds. Is that a movie? Has to be a movie. Um, oh yeah, movie with um. Nope, no idea who's in there. All right, I've never heard it before. Uh, next up is uh, Terminator Two: Judgment Day, classic Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, 1993, A Nightmare Before Christmas. Now, that's also an amazing movie. I can't... Well, 1993, I thought it was, it was that old. Now I feel old. Um, also, 1993's The Wedding Banquet. 1994's Mail-In, A Strong Clear Vision. 1995, Apollo 13 with Tom Hanks. Seen that one. Uh, 2000, Bamboozled. That's a very good movie. Uh, 2000's Love and Basketball. Also a good movie. Uh, 2013's 12 Years a Slave. That movie's 10 years old. Jeez Louise. Good movie. And then finally, 2013's 20 Feet from Stardom. Those, my friends, are the top movies that are being preserved being preserved this year. Uh, the National Film Registry was founded in 1988. 1988. Uh, and now is has preserving 875 films. Uh, themed to be of national importance. Always selects two holiday films since they do this end of the year. Uh, and this year, obviously, is, is they're being shown. They're being shown at the Library of Congress on December twenty first. Uh, they're showing the Nightmare Before Christmas, and on December twenty eighth, they're showing uh, Home Alone. Home Alone. So uh, Catherine O'Hara, who's actually in both of those movies, um, uh, said in a statement, "It made the work sound very important in a national way." Um, we were here and we had some stories to tell. It's nice to be part of the cultural documentation of the country. That's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing stuff. Good stuff. So, I don't know if you can get your hands on all those movies. Might be tough. Might be tough. Uh, but, I mean, if you, you, probably, you can probably rent them at the Library of Congress. That is where they are being, um, that is where being, uh, um, uh, preserved there. But those are the next selection of movies being preserved by the National Film Registry as films of national historic importance. Next up, my friends, another entertainment news in news that will surely please my mother, who is a big fan of the soundtrack, another Beverly Hills cop series, or movie, movie or series, is coming out on Netflix. Netflix. Eddie Murphy coming back. For Beverly Hills Cop, Axel F. Yes, he's coming back playing Axel. Um, uh, the comedy, the, 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 <laughs> Axel Foley. Uh, the fourth edition of the Beverly Hills Cop series. Beverly Hills Cops, Beverly Hills Cops 2 and Beverly Hills Cops 3. The last one being released in 1994. First one in 1984. Um, and guess what, my friends? All your old favorites are coming back. Yes, that's right. Uh, Billy Rosewood, played by Judge Reinhold. Reinhold. Uh, John Taggart, played by John Ashton. Um, Jeffrey Freeman, played by Paul Reiser. And, of course, Serge, by Bronson Pinochet, 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 are all coming back for the series. Uh, also, in this uh, series or movie, I know it, I don't, I think it's a movie, I think it's a movie, but the new movie also has uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing his new partner, and Kevin Bakeman uh, as Captain Grant, and um, yeah, yeah, so it's coming back, I will, you know what, I'll probably watch it, I did enjoy the first three movies, 
and I'm glad they brought back literally almost everyone. I don't think there's anyone, anyone that was still in these movies has passed away. Uh, but you know those the ones that I mentioned coming back that's amazing, and uh, can't wait to see it. Like I saw a Murphy's uh, Coming to America sequel uh, over the pandemic. Not bad, much like the uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure uh, sequel. Again, not bad, not bad. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure they will do a pretty good job at it. I'll definitely check it out. But anyways, coming in 2024 to Netflix, Beverly Hills Cop, Axel F. Be sure to check it out. And um, the original, and the original um, ones, you know what? I think they're pretty good too. Some jokes don't stand up over time as movies from the 80s and early 90s do, so just accept that part. But uh, I do enjoy those movies. Soundtrack's amazing. So my mother will definitely watch it just to hear the Beverly Hills theme song once again. Moving along into music news, Trevor Noah, former host of The Daily Show, will be hosting the 2024 Grammys for the fourth consecutive year. Pretty impressive. Uh, according to the Recording Academy, um, he said... Uh, on his podcast, What Now with Trevor Noah, I think it's important to acknowledge something. I'm hosting the Grammys. I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy the Grammys because I get to watch the show in person and then experience and comment on it in person while it's ha happening. Nominees for the 2024 Grammys are led by Ziza. Ziza? Ziza? who received nods for her blockbuster album SOS, appearing in three of the four big categories. Uh, with the exception of new artists. Uh, behind her, Victoria Monet, mixing engineer Saburn Ganina, and Phoebe Bridgers tied for seven nominations, and the later receiving nods as both a solo artist and also being part of Boy Genius. Eight musicians are tied for six nominations. Producer Jack Antonoff, John Batiste, Boy Genius, Brandy Clark, Miley Cyrus, Billy Irish, Olivia Rondingo, and Taylor Swift. Overall, the top three general field categories were widely dominated by women, as only three went to a recording artist from a male artist out of the 24 nominations. Um, of the potential big moments of the 2024 20, Grammys, Swift could potentially net the most album of the year award wins with Midnight, sweep the category and secure her fourth, her fourth victory. Uh, the Barbie, the soundtrack, the movie Barbie soundtrack, could also clean up with 12 nominations, including four out of the five slots in the songs written for a visual media category. It was a pretty good soundtrack and pretty good movie. Uh, the 66th Grammy Awards will take place February 4th, 2024, and produced by Furwell 73 Productions for the Recording Academy. And Ben Winston, Raj Kapoor, and Jesse Collins are executive producers. The event will be broadcasted from Crypto.com Arena. And will air on CBS and Paramount Plus. So, um, I'm sure Taylor Swift will win some more things. She's having quite the quite the impressive run. In other news, also entertainment, January first, twenty twenty four, a big big milestone in um, copyright law. Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse, and Minnie Mouse will now enter. 
public domain. Yes, public domain uh, had been pushed back many different times, many different copyright laws known as Mickey Mouse laws uh, because it was seemingly being used to protect Walt Disney and Mickey Mouse, pushing back um, <clears throat> various copyright uh, dates, but it will finally enter public domain in 2024. Uh, but not like Mickey Mouse as you know him today, but Steamboat Willie. Mickey Mouse, which is a little bit different, a little bit different than uh, the Mickey Mouse you see today. Uh, but Steamboat Willie Mickey will enter public domain, according to the according to Jennifer Jenkins, professor of law and director of Duke Center for Study of Public Domain, uh, wrote, "This is it. This is Mickey Mouse. This is exciting because it's kind of symbolic. I kind of feel like the pipe on the steamboat." About to expel its smoke, it is so exciting. Under current U.S. law, <coughs> copyright is to be held for 95 years after Congress expanded its lifetime uh, several times during Mickey's life. Okay, so it's now 95 years since publication, 1928 being, you know, 2024. Um, it's sometimes diversely referred to as the Mickey Mouse Protection Act, that's oversimplified because it wasn't just Disney that was pushing for a term extension. It was a whole group of copyright holders whose works were set to go public domain soon who benefit greatly from 20 years of extra protection. Uh, Mickey Mouse's, according to Disney spokesman uh, to the statement for the Associated Press, quote, ever since Mickey Mouse's first appearance in the 1928 short film Steamboat Willie, People have associated the character with the Disney stories, experiences, and authentic products. That will not change when the copyright of the Steamboat Willie film expires. Uh, current artists and creators will be able to make use of Mickey, but with major limits. It is only the more mischievous, rat-like, non-speaking boat captain in Steamboat Willie that, can, that has become public. Quote, more modern versions of Mickey will remain unaffected by the expiration of Steamboat Willie copyright, and Mickey continues to play a leading role as the global ambassador for the Walt Disney Company in her storytelling, theme park attractions, and merchandise. Um, not every feature or personality trait of a character displays nece is necessarily copyrightable. Uh, so, courts could be busy in the next couple of years determining what is inside and outside of Disney's ownership. Quote from uh, the Walt Disney Company, quote, We will, of course, continue to protect our rights in the more modern versions of Mickey Mouse and other works that remain subject to copyright. Um, Disney still solidly holds a trademark. Trademark is different than copyright. Trademark on Mickey as a corporate mascot and brand identifier, and the law forbids using the character deceptively to fool consumers into thinking a product is from the original creator. Uh, so, anyone starting a film company or a theme park cannot use mouse ears as the company logo. That is still illegal. Um, but you could make your own cartoon that has Steamboat Willie-looking characters in it, and that would be... Okay, because Steamboat Willie Mickey Mouse is now in public domain. Uh, just for some um, some little Steamboat Willie uh, trivia, uh, Steamboat Willie was directed by Walt Disney and his partner Obe Erics, and was among the first cartoons to have sound synced with visuals. 
and was the third cartoon featuring Mickey and Minnie they made, but the first to be released. Just so this, this you know, uh, the clip, uh, the uh, the clip. It was an introduction to Disney animated films in recent years. Mickey whistles the 1910 tune Steamboat Bill. The song was inspired by the Buster Keaton film Steamboat Bill Jr., released just a few months before Steamboat Willie, which may in turn have inspired the title for the Disney short. The copyright for um, Buster Keaton's movie was not renewed by him and has been in public domain since 1956. Copyright, if you don't renew the copyright, enters public domain and that's that. Um, another famous animal sidekick, uh, Tigger from the Winnie the Pooh, um, um, uh, Winnie the Pooh, uh, universe, will be entering public domain as well. Uh, the house at Pooh Corner turns 96. Uh, Winnie the Pooh is probably the most celebrated character to become public domain before Mickey Mouse, uh, and it took all, that stats two years ago, when A.A. Millie's original Winnie the Pooh entered public domain, resulting in some truly novelish uses. Uh, for example, you may have seen Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, where Winnie the Pooh becomes a murderer and kills a bunch of people as Winnie the Pooh uh, because, because Winnie the Pooh is public domain, so someone could take the Winnie the Pooh character and make a horror movie after them, and it violates no, violates no copyright and doesn't owe anyone any royalties. Pretty crazy, right? But 95 years, that's, that is the, um, that is the copyright laws in the United States now. So, it is what it is. Um, not all copyright laws are the same, though. Uh, for example, George Orwell's Animal Form and 1984 are not public domain in the United States, but, they are public domain in Great Britain because the public domain laws in Great Britain are different than the public domain laws in the United States. So, if you were to go to the United Kingdom and make something using characters from Animal Farm or 1984 into something in the United Kingdom, perfectly okay. If you do that in the United States, you would, you would violate United States copy law rules. Whew. Boy, howdy. It's very confusing. Fortunately, I don't have to make anything, so, you know, I don't have copyright issues. But, uh, anyways, January 1st, 2024, Steamboat Willie, Mickey Mouse, a big milestone, delayed 20 years, will now become public domain for all to have and use. Next up, my friends, we moved to Detroit, where the first 3D printed home... Printed 3D printing home went on the market, asking price $224,500. It is a few blocks from the Belle Isle Bridge and is apparently is hard to miss. Uh, it's new and lost, just under 1,000 square feet. Um, it is, uh, it is, they're, they're asking for basically $225,000 for it. Might be hard sell. The median average sale price of a home in Detroit is $82,000, so about three times more expensive. Um, and it's printed using a 3D printer, which it like oozes out this paste that hardens, and then they built the entire house using the 3D printed method. Uh, the company uses a 10-foot robotic arm 
um, in a warehouse and uh, slowly mixes a special concrete blend and pumps it out of the tip of the robotic arm and slowly layers over and over again this uh, material to create the walls of the house. Um, it dries quickly and the wall rises about 10 to 15 millimeters with each new layer. Um, fancy machines can speed up the process by adding several new layers at once, but does each layer at a time slowly building up the house? Um, it may not, I mean, they're trying to say this is a great way to replace concrete, which is carbon intensive, uh, and can make homes more affordable, but this was a very expensive to do one house. In fact, it cost uh, about um, <laughs> cost about the cost more than what they're asking for. Uh, but the price was set by the Michigan Housing Development Authority uh, as the project was funded through loans, grants, and other things to set the final price. Uh, the developers of this think that it will be very cost effective once it's more of a large scale sort of creating houses, creating one house. Kind of expensive. Creating a bunch of houses at once, less expensive. Um, it would say the the um, the the director of it wants you to think of it as like developing a hundred houses in the Austin area. Building one house very expensive for that one house. You build a hundred houses in development, the prices come down uh, through uh, you know cost of scale savings and whatnot. So. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what they're working on. And according to the director, he said that lots of the last year wasn't, took them a year to make this. Um, but says the last of last year wasn't done in construction time. It was us waiting around, pleading with tradespeople to give us a quote. Uh, once they had it all sort of figured out, the walls of the house were printed in five days with two people monitoring the machinery and then a few more days to sort out everything else. Everything else. Uh, the technology could form an automation that could eliminate jobs and concentrate wealth in the hands of the technology owners, something that society, uh, you know, community leaders don't want that to happen, but they want to make sure that the gains and the, um, the, the benefits for 3D printing go to everyone, not just the few people responsible for the technology. So we'll see if this catches on. Obviously, price is a big factor in this, but if they can get it down to a good, uh, good art, get it done quickly. Most importantly, get it done cheaply. Then this could be the housing. This could be the housing development of the future. 3D printed houses done over the course of a week, filled out a few weeks later, would speed up construction time. But again, price, 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 pricing is important. And hopefully they'll be able to figure out how that comes down. They've done with electric cars and, and solar panels. So this is the next area that uh, some research and some funding may help bring this down as well. We now go to sports and auction news. I do enjoy a good story about auctioning jerseys for a ridiculous amount of money. A set of six shirts worn by Lionel Messi during Argentina's World Cup title run last year, sold for $7.8 million, making them the second most valuable jerseys ever auctioned and the highest selling price ever 
for a busy item according to Sotheby's. The set of blue and white striped shirts, including one jersey worn during the World Cup final match, sold for $7.803 million, according to the New York-based auction house Sotheby's. The set includes six of the seven jerseys that Messi wore around during the first half of Argentina's World Cup matches last year, as the only missing jerseys are from the first half jersey from Argentina's final group stage match against Poland and the jerseys worn during the second half, which were likely traded with opponents, according to Sotheby's, as that is a tradition amongst soccer players is to trade jerseys. Uh, Sotheby's had projected the jerseys would break the record held by Michael Jordan's 1998 NBA Finals jersey, which sold for $10.1 million last year, which I believe I covered, but it did not. Uh, the second most valuable jersey sold was Diego Maradon's Hand of God gold jersey during the 1986 World Cup, which sold for $9.28 million in May 2022. The previous most valuable Messi item sold at auction was the jersey he wore during Barcelona's match with Real Madrid in 2017, according to ESPN. Uh, here's some more little trivia facts, some recent auctions uh, for things that were sold. A uh, few non-sport card items ever fetch more than $5 million at an auction. Uh, so usually cards is usually what fetches the most money, um, like trading cards. But uh, these are some of the most valuable things sold uh, at auction. Uh, a jersey worn by Babe Ruth between 1928 and 1930 sold for $5.64 million in 2019. Uh, in the same year, uh, a 1982... A 1982 Olympic Games manifesto. I don't know. I think it's just... I, I don't know what that means at all. Uh, $8.8 million. Uh, in 2013, the NBA Finals jersey worn by LeBron James and a jersey sold by Kobe Bryant during his MVP season sold for 3.6 and $5.8 million, respectively. So, uh, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty crazy. Uh, Mezzi, Mezzi is the wor world's second highest paid athlete in the world. With a net worth of $130 million, uh, Messi, who has a lifelong deal with Adidas and his own clothing line, is the highest paid player in Major League Soccer with an annual salary of $20.4 million. Pretty impressive stuff. That is, that's a lot of money. So, jersey worn during his World Cup set, World Cup set, minus a few that are missing, $7.8 million during auction. In other entertainment news, Barbara Streisand is to receive a SAG Life Achievement Award in the 2024 ceremony, and she'll be the 57, 59th recipient of the SAG-AFTRA's highest honor. Um, it, uh, she'll receive a tribute on February 24th, 2024, at the 30th Annual SAG Awards Ceremony, which will be streaming live on Netflix. According to a statement from Barbara Streisand, quote, Ever since I was a young girl sitting at the Lowe's, Lowe's King Theater in Brooklyn, I dreamed of being one of those actresses I saw on the screen. The movies were a portal to a world I could only imagine. Even though I was an unlikely candidate, somehow my dream came true. This award is especially meaningful to me because it comes from my fellow actors whom I so admire. She's 81 years old, if you can believe it. Uh, through Though the award comes from the Street Actors Guild, uh, Streisand, is, Streisand is an endlessly versatile talent. 
begun her career on Broadway, Broadway recording Grammy-winning albums, directing and producing numerous projects to critical acclaim. Uh, she broke out on stage in 1964 in the original production of Funny Girl, a role she reprised in 1968's film Adaptation, which won her a Best Actress Oscar. And now she's most synonymous with that part. Uh, she started classics of The Way the Way We Were, uh, the 1976 version of A Star is Born, What's Up Doc, Gentle, Prince of Tides, and she won her second Oscar uh, for, writing the love th for writing the love theme to A Star is Born, Evergreen. She made her directorial, de de directorial debut in 1983 with Yentl, becoming the first woman to direct, produce, write, and star in a feature film, and the first woman to win a Globin, Globe, Globe, Globin, Golden Globe Award for Best Director. Her features, The Prince of Tides and The Mirror Has Two Faces, were also Oscar-nominated, including a Best Picture nod for Prince of Tides. According to SA SAG President Fran Dresser in a statement, quote, Barbara Streisand! is an icon, an unparalleled talent, a force of nature, who has seamlessly woven her billions through the fabric of our industry, from her earliest days captivating audiences on Broadway to unforgettable roles in cinema classics like Funny Girl, The Way We Were, and The Star Is Born, Barbara's ability to, in to, inhibit, to inhabit her characters with authenticity is nothing short of extraordinary. Her enduring career is a testament to her genuine performances, Connecting with audiences on a profound level, she is a colossal icon with a relentless worth ethic, evolving with each stage of her remarkable journey. We celebrate Barbara Streisand, for, not just for her achievements, but for her enduring legacy she has carved. Uh, Streisand has also released more than 80 albums over the course of her career. Her accolades include 10 Grammys, 5 Emmys, 3 Peabody Awards, and a Tony Award, and she recently published her long away memoir, My Name is Barbara, which became an instant best time New York Times bestseller. So, uh, Barbara Streisand, Babs, receiving SAG's Lifetime Achievement Award in this year's 2024 ceremony. Well, my friends, that just about wraps up this week's Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor. As a programming note, I will not be here next week, December 23rd, to give you a Saturday report. I will be on holiday break, but I will return on December 30th for a year-end Saturday report for New Year's Eve Eve uh, for you for that particular day. So be sure to check me out then. Uh, I hope you have a great holiday week. Uh, Christmas Eve is a week from tomorrow. So it's time to get all your shopping done and put all your cards in the mail. If you're going to mail something out, you know, those UPS, FedEx cutoff dates, they're coming fast. Might be Monday, Tuesday to guarantee Christmas Eve delivery. You definitely, definitely want to be careful about that. Uh, in the meantime, you can find me on a variety of social media channels like uh, the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram, the Calter Social, the Threads, the Cameo, at Colt S. Taylor. And of course, if you like Dungeons and Dragons, then you can catch the Long Shots Dungeons and Dragons every Wednesday around 8.30 p.m. EST, sometimes 7 p.m. EST. You should really just follow my social media networks to let you know when we'll actually be having our session. Great D&D fun from folks from Canada to Kentucky to Florida to New Zealand. And, uh, yeah. And of course, obviously you are, but you've subscribed and you follow 
uh, Colt S. Taylor on Anchor.fm uh, to follow all updates to the Saturday Report or any of your other podcasting listening services. So, until next week, my friends, I am, of course, your friend, full of jolly and joy, Colt Sebastian Taylor, and I will see you later.